Hi, this is Larry Cole, and you're listening to Torchbearers. So I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is part two on the spirit of wisdom in the series of the seven spirits of God. Um, so I just want to thank you for following along. Uh, we actually started this teaching probably six or seven weeks ago, and I was just anxious to get into the different um, aspects of the seven spirits, the different, different characteristics. But I really felt the Lord telling me, you need to lay a foundation. So it's kind of like before you go into this, I need you to count the cost. I don't want you to get into it and, and just know something and learn something. But I want you to be able to relate to the seven spirits of God, to understand each of their functions. Because the body of Christ has to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in order for us to accomplish with God what He's doing in the last days. If we are not working in the fullness of the Spirit, then we are going to be lacking. We're going to come up short. We're going to be void of, of things that we need to be filled with, that we need to help us accomplish what God is doing in the earth. God wants to use His church. You can read the book of Ephesians and it just repeats over and over. God wants to use His church to reveal who He is. He wants to show the earth. He wants to show um, all the fallen angels, the principalities and the powers. He wants to show them that not only did Jesus Christ come as God in the flesh, but He has raised up a people who call on His name, believe in His name, washed in His blood, filled with His Spirit. He wants to show, God wants to show that the things that Jesus did on the earth successfully without being defeated by the devil, God wants to show the devil, I can do this in my church also. It's not just my son. So we exalt Jesus, we lift him up and we worship him. And as we begin to realize who he is, we realize who we are in him. So the spirit of worship has to come on the church to move us beyond seeing in the natural, understanding in the natural, and moving into um, seeing in the spirit. Paul said, I I don't know any man according to the flesh. Um, He was talking a lot about uh, people trying to fulfill the law and, and Jew and Gentile, what's the difference? What day should we worship on? And concerning people, Paul said, I know no man according to the flesh. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, if you're Jew, Gentile, I don't care. We now know each other according to the Spirit, not only according to the Holy Spirit, but according to your Spirit that has been birthed within you. And he said, we also know Jesus in this way. We, don't, we no longer know Jesus according to the flesh. So that's a huge deficit that some denominations continually bring on the earth. They keep focusing on Jesus in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh. Jesus is not in the flesh. Yes, we will see the scars that he suffered in the flesh. But when Jesus became a spirit, he gained all authority. And this is where the Holy Spirit's trying to get us to. We've got to stop seeing things in the natural, judging things in the natural. Righteous judgment is seeing things spiritually. What's going on spiritually? So I don't care 
what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're seeing going on in the earth. If you're seeing it according to the natural and you're judging it according to the natural, and if you're responding because of what's happening in the natural, then we are no different than the world. Those are the things that the world does. They, they listen for what's happening in the world. They look for what's going on in the world and they respond accordingly in the natural. God is looking for a people that are above that. And if you are born again, that means you have the key to the realm of the spirit. You have the ability to move beyond what's going on in the natural to understand what God's doing in the spirit. For example, right now the body of Christ seems to be in a season where uh, I kind of picture it like a ship being out on the ocean and it's a, it's a sailboat. <laughs> And it depends on the wind and the wind only. It has no motor. There's no oars. There is no way to move that boat except the wind filling its sails and moving it. And it seems like we're in a season right now where the wind's not blowing. We're in a season right now when nothing is moving that boat. And the boat's just sitting out in the middle of the ocean and it's not moving. And, and after you sit in that hot sun and you see that the boat is, isn't going anywhere, after a while you can begin to, even in, in the midst of the ocean where there's nothing but sky, water, and your little boat, you can begin to create in your imagination this whole scheme of what's going on and, and how we need to be moving, we need to be going. If, if the wind is not blowing, we have to know to sit, to rest, to be in the quiet. If we are not resting in times of rest, resting being I, I'm getting away from the noise of the world. I don't want to hear all the stuff that they're, they're chattering about. I don't want to listen to the false prophets. I don't even want to hear what most of the church is saying. God has us right now in a place where he, he has to teach us to know how to be still. It is only when we be still that we then know who God is. That is uh, actually a scripture that we were praying into yesterday, uh, Psalm 4610, to be still and know. And it says that once we do this, we will then be able to reveal who he is to the nations. But if we are constantly a church that has to do, that has to get caught up in, in the fast pace of the earth, that's not God's people. God's people are known as being his people because their primary place of residence is in heaven, not on earth, which means they're not letting the earth create the rhythm that they walk in. If you're letting the earth determine the tempo by which you're living your life, then you are being conformed to this world rather than transformed into the image of Christ. When a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it has to rest. The way it becomes a butterfly, it doesn't work to become a butterfly. It doesn't labor. It doesn't worry. It doesn't get caught up in a fast tempo. It has to rest. It has to find quiet. It has to be sheltered in and surrounded by that cocoon that separates it from everything else in the world. And then supernaturally, it begins 
to become a butterfly. So we're talking about the spirit of wisdom. This is how I define the spirit of wisdom. It is the ability for us to judge rightly in matters that relate to life and conduct. It is the ability for us to judge rightly. Uh, Again, I want to emphasize, do not respond and react to things that you see going on in the world the way everybody else responds and reacts. We can see from the scripture that in the time of Jesus, Rome had invaded Israel. They had overtaken um, the, the whole nation and Jerusalem. They were allowing the Jews to worship. But you can see where Rome's invasion, Rome's presence, was creating a culture within Israel of, of hopelessness, um, no faith, no love. People didn't understand what the scriptures meant. And it was just this whole atmosphere was feeding into the identity of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. It was feeding into their religious identity. And, and you can see over and over, possibly more than anything else, um, any one thing, Jesus was constantly battling with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, telling them, look, you're, you're looking at this scripture this way, but it actually means this. And he, he was pointing out things that made them angry because it was so contrary to how they were viewing things, how they were judging things, and how they were living by those sights and sounds and judgments in the culture. And Jesus was just trying to tell them, look, if you'll listen to me, if you'll believe me, I'll set you free. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom. I want you to have the ability to judge rightly in everything that's going on relating to life and conduct. The spirit of wisdom is the soundness of judgment. It it teaches us how to choose, how to make the right decision. If we are making decisions based on what we see, what we hear, what our flesh says, what our financial advisor says we should do, then the soundness of our judgment is at risk. We have to choose rightly. We have to have the spirit of wisdom that is speaking to us. Let me elaborate on this a little bit. I've shared this before. When we talk about the gifts of the spirit, there are three primary revelatory gifts. There's the gift of knowledge, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of wisdom. The gift of knowledge is when someone who has no idea who you are supernaturally understands who you are, what's going on in your life, and they share that with you, not in a judging way, but in a way that lets you know God is aware of my circumstances. He knows where I'm at. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what's happening in my life. And that's powerful. I I have given people words of knowledge and just seen their, their countenance change, their eyes get big, and they get so excited just to know God knows who I am. That's the gift of knowledge. It tells who you are and where you are. It tells you what's going on in your life. Then we have the gift of prophecy. 
And this is, we, we attribute most supernatural knowledge to being a gift of prophecy. But prophecy tells who you're going to be. So it's like God saying, all right, this is who you are, but this is who I'm going to make you. Over the next month, six months, a year, two years, five years, I'm going to make you into this man, into this woman. I'm going to make you into this minister. This is what I'm going to be doing with you. The gift of prophecy describes the future. It foretells you of who you're going to be, the, the function that you're going to be operating in, the people you're going to be ministering to, the places you're going to be going. So the gift of knowledge is the here and now. The gift of prophecy tells us what's coming. So what is the gift of wisdom? The gift of wisdom tells us how to get from point A to point B, from where you are now to where you will be then. So, so often I hear people say, I got a prophetic word 25 years ago and it bore witness with my spirit. I knew that it was God. Everything that, that was in that prophetic word, God had been speaking to me about. The Bible had been opening up and I knew, I just knew it was going to come to pass. But it's been 25 years. It's yet to happen. And a lot of times we explain these things away and, and say, well, you know, maybe for whatever reason, it's supposed to take 50 years to come to pass or, or whatever. The point is this. When we get a word of prophecy, it tells us where we're going to be, who we're going to be, what we're going to be doing. Now I need the gift of wisdom. This is where we need the gift of wisdom. Friend, I, I think if anything, more than the gift of knowledge and the gift of prophecy. Right now in the church, we need the gift of wisdom. We need to, we, I think we, the majority of people that I run with, we believe that God is going to show his glory on the earth before Jesus returns. We just don't know how. This is where the gift of wisdom comes in. The gift of wisdom gives us the ability to judge rightly in matters that relate to life and conduct. So how do I get to where God has told me I'm going to go? How do I get to the place where he said he's going to move in my life? By the spirit of wisdom, I'm going to have the ability to judge rightly. So it's kind of like I'm, I'm beginning this journey on a road to get to the fulfillment of that prophecy. But along that road, there are forks in the road. I need to know, do I go to the left or do I go to the right? There are obstacles in the road. I need to know how to get over those obstacles. I need to know, did God put the obstacle there to have me stop and rest and sit in that road because he knows there's something up ahead that I need to be prepared for? So this is the gift of wisdom, friend. This is where we have to connect with the Holy Spirit or else we're not going to see the things that we know in our spirit that are coming on the earth. We're not going to be a part of it. God cannot use us to pour out his glory if we're still struggling to know the times and the seasons. The spirit of wisdom gives us the ability to judge the times and the seasons, to know whether this is a time to rest, a time to go into warfare, a time to move out in faith and start something, get something moving. But I also want to tell you this, I don't care what season it is, in every season it is time to adore 
Him. It is time to love Him. It is time to sit at His feet and lavish our love upon Him, no matter what season you're in. So then, other than that, beyond that foundation of just loving Jesus every day and pouring oil in that lampstand, um, that is a given. That is an everyday occurrence. That keeps the lampstand burning continually. Then from that place, we will begin to connect with the spirit of wisdom and to know how to move out. So let me share some scripture about the spirit of wisdom. So the spirit of wisdom is the ability to build. So it's like from that word of knowledge to that word of prophecy, the word of wisdom will show us how to build a bridge to get from point A to point B. So it's, it's related to building. Hebrews 11.10 says, Abraham looked for a city that had foundations. He wasn't looking for a tent city. He wasn't looking for uh, more nomads wandering around the desert. He was looking for a city that had foundations. Where there is no foundations, it's temporal. That's the biggest difference between the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle, the temple of Solomon. One had foundations, the other one didn't. The other one just blew in the wind. You could pack up and you could move. Abraham was looking for a city that had foundations that could not be moved. It was there, it was permanent, and those foundations you could build on. And then it describes the, the city that Abraham was looking for. He was looking for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker is God. We know that Abraham was looking forward to our day. We know that he was looking for what was to come with the church, with the bride of Christ, with the temple not made with hands walking on the earth, whose builder and maker is God. How is God creating um, this new Jerusalem, the church? How is he creating this? He is building it and he is its maker. I cannot build the church and we've got to get over this right now. I cannot build the church unless the Lord builds the house. Those who labor, labor in vain. God has to be the one that builds it or it has no foundations and it'll blow away with the wind. This is where we have to judge rightly. This is where we have to know, hey, this guy's got, got 1,500 people in his church. Yeah, he, he did good building that church, didn't he? Yes, the problem is he built it and God didn't. When God builds a church, it can be a church of five, but it's got foundations that go deep into the earth, down to the bedrock, and it can hold the weight of God's glory. So we've got to judge rightly. Exodus 20, 25 says, If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. So if you build an altar of stone, so any ministry that is being built has to be built what excuse me let me back up any ministry that is being started or being built up what we're actually doing is building an altar and here's what i mean years ago i met a young man that was just getting into ministry and and i was asked to give him a little bit of advice and my advice to him and i felt this by the holy spirit i said those that are that you are called to those that you are called to will kill you and he was like, what the heck is that? What kind of, of encouragement is that? 
But that's what the Lord was telling me. And this how this is how it is with the ministry. The things that God calls you to will kill you. And what do I mean by that? I mean that God did not call you to ministry in order to promote you, in order to make you famous, make you popular, in order for you to steal His glory. God put you in the ministry because wherever He calls you, He is calling you to the same pattern as Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. So who is God calling you to? Who is He wanting you to minister to? Those are the ones that you will have to lay down your life for. And if you don't lay down your life voluntarily, God will raise up sheep that you're you're ministering to who will kill you. Because until I die, Christ cannot live in me. Until I fall back, He cannot move forward. Even um, uh, John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets according to Jesus. But he said, I have to decrease. Why? John, why do you have to decrease? We love your message. People are getting it. They're coming from Jerusalem out to the Jordan. They want to hear what you have to say. He, he was telling them, if I don't decrease, then the Messiah who's coming after me cannot increase. We talk about the, uh, the spirit of John the Baptist, the spirit of Elijah coming on the church in the last days. Well, his message was repent, change the way you think for the kingdom of heaven is available. But his character was, I have to diminish so that he can come forth. And this has to be the same undertaking in the church. So if you make an altar of stone, do not build it out of hewn stone. Don't make it out of stone that you have shaped yourself. You have to allow God to create the stones of the altar, of your ministry, of anything that you're doing. It has to be made of stones that God has created. God knows what you have need of. He knows the exact stone that will fit in that exact space. He knows the size that it needs to be. He knows how it'll fit. And we have to trust in Him. This is surrendering to the spirit of wisdom and allowing God to do what He does. Proverbs 24.3, it says, Through wisdom, through the spirit of wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding it is established, it is firm, it is stable, it becomes a home and a shelter. So it is built through wisdom. Unless wisdom builds the house, we are laboring in vain. That house will be burned away in the, in the last days. Proverbs 14.1 says, Every wise woman builds her house. I, I insert this as being the bride. Every bride that joins with the spirit of wisdom is building a house. Like, like the Lord said in the Psalms, What house are you going to build for me? I'm God. What house are you going to build for me? So it's even by the spirit of wisdom that we build our soul. What do you mean build our soul? Because I'm the temple of the Lord. Today, I'm a vessel of dishonor, but tomorrow God wants me to be a vessel of honor. How do I change this vessel? I listen to the spirit of wisdom. I connect with him. I counsel um, from him. I get uh, led by him. I'm guided by him. He leads me into all truth. He is the spirit of wisdom and he will show me how to be more than a vessel of dishonor. Proverbs 3.19 says, 
the Lord, and that word Lord in the Hebrew is Yehovah, which is the Holy Spirit, the Lord wisdom has founded the earth. So even the earth was built by the spirit of wisdom and by understanding he established the heavens. Revelation 3.17, because you say I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor and blind and naked. The spirit of wisdom will put into your account eternal riches, vision and clothing. So without the spirit of wisdom, so when he, when he rebukes the church in Revelation 3.17, you think you're rich, you think you've increased in goods, you think you have need of nothing, but I tell you, you are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you're blind, you're naked. There's all these things that, that they were lacking. How do I find out what I'm lacking? By the spirit of wisdom. How do I know how to get those things that I'm lacking? By the spirit of wisdom. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, shame is right behind it but with the humble is wisdom so how do i connect with the spirit of wisdom humble yourself proverbs 10:19 wisdom is with those who listen those who take the time to sit down and hear what the holy spirit is saying they are the ones who receive the spirit of wisdom proverbs 10:8 says wisdom is with those who seek his advice or seek his instruction this is what Jesus was doing every day when he got up early to go pray. He was connecting with the spirit of wisdom. So Matthew 16, 18, uh, we see in Matthew 16, Jesus is saying, um, who do he asked his disciples, who do all these people say that I am? And they reply, some say you're a prophet. Some say um, you're John the Baptist. He says, well, who do you guys say that I am? And suddenly Peter spoke up. And he said, you are the Christ, you're the Son of God, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon Peter. You are blessed because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And upon this revelation, I will build my church. So without the spirit of wisdom, we cannot even receive the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus attributed it to his Father, but I think it was the spirit of wisdom from the Father that revealed to Peter who Jesus was. And Jesus said, I can build my church. What does the spirit of wisdom do? It builds. How does it build? By getting revelation of who Jesus is. So how do I connect with the spirit of wisdom? I humble myself and he comes to me. I listen to what he says, and he keeps speaking to me. I, I worship and get in his presence until I see and know who he is, and the spirit of wisdom comes on me, and I can work with him to build his church, to build the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. Mark 14, 58, Jesus said, in three days, I will build a temple not made with hands. How are you going to build this temple, Jesus? By the spirit of wisdom that I'm going to pour out when I get back to heaven. Let me end with this. James 1, verse 2 through 5. James 1, verse 2 through 5 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
and allow this steadfastness to have its full effect. It will impact your life. Allow it to do this so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So here he says, count it all joy. When you're in all these trials, these temptations, let your faith rise up and keep you moving so that this steadfastness will have its full effect and it will bring forth perfect and completeness, lacking in nothing. Look at this, verse 5, James 1, verse 5. He, he expounds on this. He says, all right, if you want me to, to help you understand how to build up this faith to result in steadfastness, verse 5, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He's not talking about earthly wisdom. Here's one thing I want to leave you with. Wisdom is not the result of living a long life. Wisdom is not from experiences. Wisdom is not becoming gray-haired and being old and I've learned my lesson, I know better. It's not something that comes with age. Wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, is not of this earth. It is the spirit of, which means the wisdom which is from heaven, it only comes by the Holy Spirit. If any of you lack the spirit of wisdom, just ask God who longs to give you this spirit. How do you know he longs for me to connect with the spirit of wisdom? Because he will give him generously to all who are without reproach. It will be given unto them. Acts 20, 32, and I'll close with this. It says the word of grace is able to build you up. If you'll go back and read in Zechariah, uh, I think it's chapter 4. Yeah, Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah was prophesying to Zerubbabel, one drawn out of Babylon, and he said, you're going to build up Jerusalem, you're going to build up Israel, you're going to build the walls, you're going to build the city, you're going to rebuild the temple. And he said, you will hear the word grace, grace be to it, grace, grace be to it. And here it is in Acts 20, 32, that, that, that word in Zechariah 4 was a prophetic word for the days in which we live. You will hear the sound of, of people shouting, Grace, grace, be unto this, unto you, unto the seven spirits of God, unto the church that are building the kingdom. And in Acts 20:32, it is the word of grace that is able to build you up. You are the new Jerusalem. You are the city with the foundations. You are the temple that the glory of God dwells in and God wants to build, but he can't do it without the spirit of wisdom. Get before the lampstand. Pour your oil, the oil of your love, into the lampstand every day. Keep it burning continually and watch what God begins to build in your life. Don't worry about what you're going to build, what you're going to do, who you're going to do it to, where you're going to minister. Just keep pouring your oil in the lampstand. And there's coming a day when you'll look behind you and you'll see God's destiny standing there waiting on you and Jesus holding the key and saying, it's time. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to send you to the nations. I'm going to have you throughout the mountains declaring my glory. I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless you. I will show them that you have been in the secret place and I will show them that you have favor publicly. 
I will show it publicly. I will allow you to give me glory on the earth. This is the spirit of wisdom. I love you, friend. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Give us a call. Let me know your prayer request. How can we uh, undergird you? How can we support you? How can we help you? Let me know. I appreciate you. I love you. Have a blessed day.